Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, good evening, everybody. We are live. Welcome to Sunday evening service here at uh, Save the Cowboy, Kiowa, Colorado. Um, 30 miles south of Denver for you guys that are online. Welcome if this is your first time in person or online. I really want you guys to feel welcome, so keep bringing them in. Um, if you're not here this evening, it's, it looks like nobody is here because um, I'm staring at about 10 empty seats and then there's about 15 people sitting under the heater. So <laughs> number one complaint last week was how cold it was in here, and I feel you, I feel you tonight. So hopefully we'll... Uh, bring the heat tonight and all of that. So, but welcome guys. We, uh, um, welcome to save the cowboy. Um, if you guys were here this morning, we finished up our, we finished up, correct, Kevin? Yeah. I don't want to speak for you. Um, we finished up our kingdom cowboy series, which I thought was amazing. Um, a lot of great stuff in there. So you guys can listen to that and, um, hear all of that either online going back through the videos. I actually had a lot of questions about that, um, after service about how you watch back on Facebook and things like that. All you have to do is go in the videos. It's all in order on there, or you guys can listen to our podcast. So, um, if you, if you look up, save the cowboy on, on, um, iTunes or Spotify or I- anywhere that you guys can listen to podcasts, all of our podcasts are in order and they're, they're based off a of date and all that. I'm, so, I'm trying to look at you guys. I'm looking right into a, 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 a very bright light. So I love you guys. I just can't see you. Um, so yeah, we post, those, we post those weekly. You'll hear our cowboy conversations when we have them. But it's a great way for you guys, um, if you like something, to go back and listen. Or if you can't be here with us and maybe you don't have Facebook. I don't know how you'd be hearing this right now. Um, to go back and, and listen to our series. We get a lot of people that ask about that. So um, other than that, I'm going to say a quick prayer and we're going to get into it. You guys ready? I need the energy, Nate. All right, let's go. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for this, this wonderful evening, Lord, and, and, and the beautiful weather you've given us and, and the amazing chance to gather and to just be with each other in fellowship. I just want to give special thanks for for what I'm seeing happening specifically on our Sunday evening service, Lord. You're so great to save the cowboy in our ministry. And what you're doing in people um, that are coming, giving themselves, uh, giving more of their time on Sunday evening, I I just can't thank you enough, Lord. I I pray this evening um, a a special prayer over our message that that I deliver it well and and that it falls well on people's ears and and that everybody takes something that they can apply, Lord. And um, Thank you for just the wonderful blessings that have happened, and, and, and we pray that you keep that coming, Lord, in our mission to meet, to meet people where they are and bring people in. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to kind of continue in our, our little mini-series. I was talking to Kevin this week and didn't actually mean for this to be a series, um, but we started talking about this idea of community, right? Um, bringing people in and, and sharing our resources. And I actually had a wonderful conversation with Daryl after church today. And, and he, we talked about um, soldiers that have PTSD and how um, over the years, you know, when you looked at guys who came back from World War II, they seemed to, to 
not have the issues with PTSD, even though they saw the same things, and, and talk to Daryl if I'm, if I'm phrasing this wrong, I just heard it this morning. But even though these guys went to battle and they saw the same things that, that maybe somebody would have seen in Vietnam or Desert Storm, like the same trauma that affects the brain, and I've studied trauma pretty well, um, for some reason, over the years, it's gotten worse and worse and worse as generations have gone on. And what, what they found with that is that after World War II, there was a community for people to go, to go home to. So if I was a soldier and I was starting to suffer from PTSD, there was more of a family feel and there was more of a home for people. And one thing that, that Daryl mentioned in his research of this was there was more of a church for people to go to, which I found interesting. And then basically the sum of that is what has happened over society is those values and things have deteriorated. And I think we can all agree with that, correct? As we've gone on, we've lost our sense of, of um, what our home should be and, and what our leaders in the home should be and more importantly, what our churches should be and what, our, what we as leaders should be in the churches. So I just found that like an interesting point um, in our studies is that I think we as the Big C Church, not necessarily Save the Cowboy, are doing a bad job of building community, right? And, and part of that is is it's not all on the pastors. Um, the church is made up of everybody, and, and sometimes we like to think like it's the pastor's job to force feed us stuff, but we can't, as humanly, humanly possible, connect the community. We, we talked about us being a body, right? And, and how we, we are supposed to form as a community and as a church, as a body of Christ, correct? And I think some of that, and this isn't the sermon, this is just my, my side note, I think some of that is because we're losing our sense of community with each other. So I, I just find it really refreshing that, that you guys have enjoyed this so much and that we're talking about this. And really, it's lined up with a lot of what we talked about in um, Kingdom Cowboys as well. So really... I just want to stress the importance of community to you, you guys and the importance of having biblical friendships within the church and places and avenues you guys can go to talk to each other because us as pastors, we can't humanly meet all the needs of the church, right? So hand, hand up to you guys too. Like I, uh, uh, I do give you guys a round of applause because I see what we're teaching here in person and it's making such a difference. And I'm talking specifically about Sunday evening. I see it in Save the Cowboy, but you guys bringing people in and the encouragement that I get and you guys praying with each other and all of that is such a big deal. So please, 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 even as we close this little mini series, keep that up. You guys are amazing. So I, I give you guys a round of applause for that. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in chapter 7 and chapter 10 a little bit. Um, so this week, um, I had a bad thing happen, and my teachers in the crowd are going to laugh at me because I never thought I'd be able to use this excuse as an adult. But a dog ate something that I really needed. Um, and that something was my retainer. So o over the past couple of years and I was not this way, and we're going to talk about it, I've gotten super meticulous about caring for my teeth for whatever reason. It might be 
vanity, it, it might, whatever it is, I really like to care for my teeth, and it's not something that I've always done. So a couple years ago, or I, I guess a year and a half ago, I went and got Invisalign to close. I used to have a big gap in my teeth. They called me Tyler Strahan. Um, <laughs> my football people get that. So I wanted to close that, right? I just didn't like the way I looked with that. So I went and got Invisalign, did about nine months of Invisalign, um, literally had to give them my, my, my firstborn child as payment. Um, but I didn't want to be a 30-year-old with braces. Got all that finished, and they, they gave me the retainer, and they gave me one specific instruction. And, and these people know me. That's not to lose the retainer, right? Yes. And you'd think that'd be easy not to let my dog eat my retainer, but here's the problem. I bought this little $5 cleansing case to put it in, and I've never used it once, right? Because I'm lazy. I either put it in my pocket or I'll leave it on a table, and what happens is animals, not to be gross, smell that, and they eat that. So Mitch's dog ate my retainer. So for a week and a half, I did not have a retainer. And here's, the, here's how, how funny our body is sometimes. Like, God has a sense of humor. I spent eight months in Invisalign taking care of my teeth and my gap and all that. You know how long it took me to, to ruin that? One week without a retainer, and I'm back to Tyler Strahan, and I just can't have that. If you work in a firehouse, you can't let stuff like that happen. So I go to the dentist, and they tell me, yeah, you have to do another eight, like, one week without a retainer cost me eight weeks of Invisalign again. So you can tell I'm not very happy about that, right? But what happened is, is I started getting into a discussion and how I got meticulous about caring for my teeth was I had not been to the dentist in 15 years. Didn't grow up very rich, didn't care. I started uh, chewing tobacco dipping when I was 14 and I stopped about the time I was 26 or 27. I just didn't like the effect that it had over my life. And, um, and, uh, and Invisalign has something to do with that. But for 15 years, I was chewing, not taking care of my teeth. And what got me to go to the dentist was one of my coworkers' wife was, was uh, going through dental hygienist school, I think it is. There's like a, a I forget the ranks in the dentist office, but she was going through um, the one where it's you give people shots, you clean, do deep cleaning of teeth, all of that stuff, and she needed patients. So, and, and the thing about that, it's really where they one they have to find their own patients, and they need people that fit into all categories. So they need somebody who hasn't been to the dentist in 15 years, and they need somebody who hasn't been in six months and everything in between, blah blah blah. Um, so after 15 years of not going to the dentist, I went and um, I found out one thing. I had zero cavities. Granted, I brush my teeth and do all that stuff, but after 15 years of not going to a dentist, society telling me I'm wrong, I beat the system, right? I went and had no cavities. So... What ended up happening is they have to do deep cleaning and shots and all that. And actually, the, the funny thing about that was I failed her because I could never stop talking. So when she was giving me a shot to numb my gums, um, I, she actually put a shot in my tongue. And it, it flew off like that. So I was trying to play it off for her instructor so she didn't get in trouble because it was my fault. She was like, hey, dude, shut up. And uh, I'm like, hey, how's your fantasy football team doing? Um, 
and, and I'm trying to play it off and they're like, obviously your tongue is swollen and numb. That's a fell on her. So even after all that work, you know how hard it is to probably find somebody who hasn't been to the dentist in 15 years? Um, I ended up failing her. But what I found out and what I got a little cocky about was after 15 years, I could do it on my own and not have cavities. So that hurt pretty bad and, and, and they had to give me shots because my gums were so bad and all of that. So I made a vow to myself, every six months I was gonna go to the dentist. And so far I've lived up to that, give me a round of applause. <laughs> Joking. Um, what do you think happened after six months of me not, of me going to the dentist? Two cavities. <laughs> 15 years, zero cavities, go to the dentist once after getting cleaned, I had two cavities. So we actually, this week, we were actually talking about that at the dentist office. And I think that can be a lot like our lives as Christians. Sometimes the harder and the more meticulous we get um, with things, the more we mess them up. And really the problem with that is it's a control tactic on our part. We like to control things, and when we take control like that, we think we can make things better, and we take control like that. What we're actually doing is taking control away from God. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about building this community, right? We just had a big five-minute conversation about that. And and how we use our spiritual gifts to bring others to Christ and how we open our resources and all that. But we're going to close tonight with, with the, I think, the hardest part of doing this, of bringing people to church and bringing people in. How do we actually talk to people about Christ? How do I start that conversation? How do I have that conversation? How do I keep that conversation going, because a lot of times there's some fear inside that holds us back, right? What if I'm proven wrong? What if they catch me stumbling? Like we think we have to be perfect when we're going out and talking to people about our faith, right? And, and trying, to, trying to get people into heaven. What do we, like how do we actually talk to them? Because we talk all the time about bringing people in and praying for people and doing all these things but how often do we teach each other how to have these conversations? That's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And I oftentimes liken it to, to, um, to a farmer planting a seed or maybe a rancher um, growing his, or, or placing his cattle and nurturing his cattle. We have to plant a seed in, in, in others, right? And we think that we can control that. But part of the process, right, let, let's go through this. A farmer plants a seed and a rancher places a cattle. But a lot of times, the, you, the harder we try to make that process work, the, the more we try to take what we have and force that to be a quicker thing, the worse we make it, right? Who's ever seen a farmer out there trampling on their property after they've planted for the season, right? doesn't happen because they're out there praying, right? Just like that farmer, there are things when we talk to others about Christ and we plant the seed, there are things we have to submit to that are out of our control. There's a higher power that we have to trust, right? Just like a farmer can't control the weather or animals or, or any of that stuff, 
The same thing happens, and I think we get frustrated when we go to, when, when things aren't progressing with our loved ones and our family members after we talk to them about Christ, right? We get mad when it's not happening in, in our time. And that's just, one, that's us trying to control, right? But that's just our passion coming out too, right? We want people we want, especially our loved ones, we want them to come to Christ as fast as possible because we know there's not a lot of time left and we want them to be ready like us, right? But there's always, always, always in our relationships with Christ, and I hate it just like you guys do, there's always a season of waiting. Waiting equals trust and there's always that process we have to submit to and I don't think there's, I mean, catch me after service if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a single um, aspect of our Christianity that doesn't involve a season of waiting. Growth and waiting go hand in hand. So tonight, and I'm so excited about tonight because we're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount. And um, what I love about that is, is Jesus, it, you know, if you guys know the background of the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll paint it for you as always, but Jesus talked a lot about hard things that we may encounter when we're talking to other people. But at the end of it, people were so happy and rejoiced. And I look at that as a pastor and I'm like, wait, how did he say those things and get that reaction out of people? And what we're going to find is, is he said it in such a way that was refreshing and not threatening and I think there's, there's a lot we're going to learn from that. So we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 7. Y'all ready for this? I'm excited. So Matthew 7 verse 28. Like how, how often do I get to be up here doing a sermon about Jesus' sermon? Like that's amazing. <laughs> what is he doing here? All right. <laughs> I love it. There is, like, I love audience participation. He's gotten in trouble for it a couple times, but if there's a problem, I'll bring Daryl up. Um, Matthew 7, verse 28, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. Remember, we talked about authority. We've talked about it a lot here, but also in Kingdom Cowboys, that authority within you, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So let me paint the picture for you guys here real quick. If you know about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was preaching to thousands um, ab about anything and everything, right? Um, if you guys haven't seen The Chosen, I would challenge you to go watch that because there's an actual um, episode on, on uh, and it humanizes the side of like how he prepared for it. And I just love that so much. But it'll give you a good insight. But he talked about things like, gouging your eyes out if it's causing you to sin and giving away your money and all of these hard topics. And that reinforces two points for me in Matthew 7, 28. People are starving for the truth. Think about that for a second because we're going to go back to that. People are starving for the truth. And number two, it's not what you're saying to people but how you're saying and, and, or how you're saying it, and more importantly, how you're conducting yourself. And that's kind of been the theme that we've talked about, right? But there is a possible way, and we see it here in Jesus' teaching, right? The crowds were amazed. There is a way to talk to people about hard things 
and still have a good outcome. Think about your search, right? I said point number one, people are starving for the truth. Think about how important that is in society. When's the last time you heard the, heard a, the truth from a non-Christian? When's the last time you turned on any news station or sports or social media and, and just felt refreshed because somebody was saying something to your soul that made sense? Hasn't happened. I'm 31 years old and I can't remember a time that that really happened outside of church. And what happens is God has made us a certain way to where it's programmed in our DNA that the truth makes sense to us. Even people that are non-believers are searching for the truth and we call it different things in society, right? What happens when I go through a breakup? I'm going to find myself, right? I'm going, you know, on a, a spiritual journey or whatever. All of that is code words for people trying to find themselves. And what happens is society beats us down and gets us to this point, and people are just looking for truth, and that can transfer as looking to grow. We're so scared to talk to people, but, but there is just this yearning inside of people to hear the truth, and I'm going to talk about how, how I think and what the Bible says that should be delivered and what's kind of worked for me, but people want to hear the truth. But here's the, here's the key, and, and this is one of my favorite quotes, um, and Kevin actually taught this to me. We need to tell people the truth, but we also can't use truth as a weapon, and I think that's where we go wrong a ton as Christians, and I know that's where I go wrong. I get so passionate about um, wanting my brothers to come to Christ and talking to people about this, and I'm so excited. And the second somebody counters me or questions me, and I, I think most people are being sincere, sincere about it, I get very defensive and I start using the truth as a weapon. And then it comes out as, well, that's the truth, and you, you, it is what it is. You take it how you want it. It's your, it's, your, um, it's your relationship with God, not mine, but I'm here delivering you the truth, right? Not a great tactic when, when we're trying to talk to people. Not a, and here's the problem with truth, is there is a time and place for both of those, right? Um, we can either choose to use the, tr the truth about what we know as Christians as a weapon or as a tool. And you wanna know the thing about a tool or a weapon? It's completely subjective depending on whose hands it's in. A hammer can be a tool or it can be a weapon. And we have to find ways to just deliver that to people. Um, and, and what we see is like, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's delivering these hard truths, like gouging your eyes out. I'm going to talk about that a lot because that's wild to me. But he's doing it so with such humility and gentleness and kindness and, and things that are perceived well, right? And we shouldn't always be concerned about how we're perceived in some instances. But in this case, we should because people are looking for that from us. Like we have the advantage that it is programmed in their DNA that they want to hear this stuff. The truth can be used as a tool or a weapon and it's completely subjective to whose hands it's in. The other point, right? I said point number two, and this is not a three-point sermon. You guys know I don't like that. I'm just pointing out some specific things from this verse. It's not what you're saying, but how you're saying it. And that's kind of been the theme of this series, right? 
The other point is hard things can be quite easy to talk about if you bring them with sincerity and humility. Think about how Jesus did that. The greatest lessons and conversations I have have stemmed from people who were honest with me, who were sincere, who, who were um, put their, checked their cockiness at the door, who just brought forth humility. And that can be such a tool to disarm people. People are so used to, to um, religion pounding things down their throat that they're automatically going to be defensive when, when we talk to them, right? How do we disarm? How do we bring their walls down? Just be humble with them. Things like I don't know or we can look at that together go so far with people, but it's really about your approach. Oftentimes we get the chance to speak love into others, and if you do that with humility, you will win. You, people will hear you, and that's how you start planting those seeds of truth in people. You have to disarm their walls, and oftentimes the best way to do that is to just approach them with kindness, tenderness, humbleness, humility, fruits of the Spirit, all of those things. Because the scary thing to me about, I've noticed in myself about lack of humility or cockiness or whatever you guys want to call it, is that it is blinding. And what I mean by that is when I'm that way, I don't realize it. So, and to me that's scary because it's this thing that, that has a hold on you and it sometimes can be more powerful than I want it to be. Um, and that's why we have to work really hard within ourselves to, to rid ourselves of that and to um, um, just bring that to God because, again, lack of humility, cockiness, the scary thing about that is it is blinding. Arrogance is blinding. And if you take that approach, you're never going to, in my opinion, win at anything in life. But you're never going to serve the purpose because ultimately when I look at talking to people about Jesus, I just look at Jesus. And I know that seems oversimplified, but Jesus never did it that way. He was never arrogant, never lacked humility, and he deserved to be arrogant. He's a sinless man. Um, He's the son of God. He, he can do things that nobody else can, but he never approached anybody, even people that opposed him, with anything but humility um, and kindness. And that's how we should be talking to people, right? That's how we should treat people. That's what disarms people. I saw this lesson in, in play this week. Um, I've been trying to eat healthier but I've been out and about doing a bunch of stuff. So then I try to, what I do is, um, I try to look for the healthiest options at fast food places. So I went to Wendy's. Um, <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. If you go and get a 10 piece nugget, spicy nugget, with a side of ranch, it's 437 calories, 22 grams of carbs, and 21 grams of protein. Not a bad choice if you're in his pinch, right? Yeah, you guys laugh at me all you want until I, I bring the receipts. Um, but I remember going through this Wendy's and it was in Falcon, and I was clearly talking to a little arrogant 16-year-old on the other side of this, and he was just the worst. I almost drove away, right? And then I remembered I, when he was done, he's like, hey, will that complete your order? Even though I already told him I was done right? The stupid things we get flustered about. And I just said, yes, sir, to him. 
And I remember, like, I remember the Holy Spirit got me right there because his attitude, like, vocally changed over the speaker. And he was like, thank you, thank you so much, sir. Drive forward. And I, I remember God talking to me, like, that's how you do it. I often think about my sermon throughout the whole week. It, it's going through my head. And little things like that, he, you know, what an awesome way for the Holy Spirit to give me an example of what I'm going to come up here and talk to you guys about, things I'm struggling with, right? How we talk to people and conduct ourselves is everything. Because you want to know what? I was listening to a sermon, so he probably heard that. I had a Save the Cowboy hat on, so he probably saw that. And even though he was treating me a certain way, I could easily disarm him with kindness and humility, how much humility, you parents, my parents out there laugh at this. How much humility does it take for you to um, be respectful to your punk 16-year-old, <laughs> right? To call, can you imagine calling them sir? <laughs> but little things like that, like imagine what that did to his day. And that is a beautiful example of how we conduct ourselves, right? And I hate doing that because it was me. But it, it, was, it, it was obviously God working to show me an example for this sermon, so I'm going to talk about it. How we treat people is everything. And the two points above can be summed by one rule. If you want to talk to others about Christ, you have to earn that right. You have to earn the right to talk to people about Christ. Do you want to know where I get that from? So... Coming out of college, I struggled a lot. Like, I struggled in college, right? And you guys can imagine why I'm not going to self-deprecate up here. And I was trying to find my place in life. So I had a couple buddies that worked in the car industry selling cars. And they told me if I went and did, did that, that I could make, you know, $1,200 a month or whatever. And as an 18-year-old making one-tenth of that, that was very appealing to me, right? Here's the problem. I wasn't any good at it. <laughs> and this is going to be a self-brag, but I just didn't have what it takes to lie to people. Or, and not lie, but there's like a manipulation process. But there's something important that I learned in that process. But I just didn't have it in me to like, I remember like talking to selling cars to soldiers and all these people. And you look at a guy who's coming in to buy a $50,000 car at an 18% interest rate for 10 years or whatever, the, however wild it was. And even me as a person, I'm like, dude, don't do that. <laughs> that is a terrible idea. You're about to, you're about to pay 70 grand for a, a $20,000 vehicle, right? Me of all people, like the reason I didn't make it in college is because I was just as dumb as that guy. Um, <laughs> they, called, they called me the Zamboni because uh, anytime a drink or something would be spilled, oftentimes more than once, it's, it's been recorded on video and I'm not proud of it. I drank it off the floor. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a garage floor, right? Um, and that caused me digestion issues. But that guy right there, and, and I, I look at these people and I'm like, no, even I wouldn't do that. But they taught me something important in that process. And that, that, the, most of that process is, is about manipulating people or telling people what they want to hear. But the last point, or one of the last points they taught me before they fired me for making minimum wage the whole time, um, you have to earn the right to sell somebody a car. 
They said, you don't move up in that sales process until you have earned the right, until you have answered their questions, until they like you. That is how you earn the right to sell them a car. And that, my friends, is how we earn the right to talk to people about Jesus. They have to see how you have conducted yourself and you have to answer their questions the best you can and you have to treat them a certain way to earn the right to talk to them about Jesus. If you look at all those behaviors and all those points, we saw that demonstrated through Jesus. He always treated people that way. But here's the key. You wanna know why the Sermon on the Mount worked? Jesus didn't just show up and preach it. He showed up for years before that and lived it for these people. And that's why his words worked in that instance. He didn't just come up on his pedestal and talk to people about this stuff and expect them to believe he was the person he said he is. He showed it to them. He performed miracles. He stood up for them. All of these things that Jesus did were precursors to talking to, to earning their hearts and their minds and their ears. And we have to, I, I know we're not Jesus, but we have to try to do things the same way. The blueprint is laid out for us. Earn the right to talk to people about Jesus. When we talk to people, we plant a seed, right? We just learned how to talk to people. But then the second part, when I plant a seed is what? How do I wait? Because I'm a man of instant gratification, we talked about it with my exercising, right? I suck at exercising and I'm good at eating chocolate cake <laughs> because one of those things, the pain is now and the, the, the reward is later. And one of those things, the reward is now and the pain is later, right? And we always kind of choose the reward now and pain later, but that's not exactly biblical. And a lot of that is holding us back. Instant gratification, right? And I know Kevin would agree with this, and I know Mitch would agree with this, but so much about your Christian life is waiting, waiting on God, being patient. How many times have you heard patience in church talked about? My people that grew up in church, right? So much about our relationship with God is being able to wait. And it's no different than any other relationship we have, right? Kevin, how much about your relationship is waiting with my aunt? <laughs> a lot of it, right? Because, <laughs> but it's true, right? We see it in our relationships. Why do we not expect our relationship with God to be the same way? Because waiting is important because it does what? It grows you and it gets you ready for where God wants you to be. That is the definition of our Christian growth, right? Turn with me to Matthew 10. In verse 19, it says this. This will teach us a little bit. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. I love that. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the, it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child and a child will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you. Pay attention because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Endurance, my friends, is key. What's another word for enduring? Is to wait, to be patient. There's so much about your faith with Jesus that involves giving up control. 
What's the best way to give up control of something? To wait, to endure, to see how things play out. And I know some of you, like, your teeth is itching like me because you're control freaks like me. But the best way to give that up is to appreciate your seasons of waiting that God has in store for you because our Christian faith is all ups and downs seasons. God is a God of seasons. Endurance is key. God will give you the right words when you're talking to people. Like, what a beautiful verse. And I think that's important because one thing I've noticed as a new pastor, and and more importantly, I noticed this as a believer in myself, how fast people burn out on Jesus. People are so on fire to read their Bibles and go to Bible studies and pray with people and talk to people. And then they start encountering friction from this world and they start getting tired and they still want to party and and church is at 9.30 a.m. and people burn out. And none of us are, are, are immune to that, including pastors. There have been times in, in, your li- in my life, and I guarantee you Kevin would say the same thing, and Mitch would say the same thing, and Ty would say the same thing, where we were up here, but we just didn't feel it. Where we needed to counsel somebody or shepherd somebody, or we needed it ourselves, and we just didn't have it. Like, that is normal. But we should work through that, right? We see it too often where people are on fire and they burn out because... They don't realize that much of what, what our relationship with God is, is waiting, is not getting our way. Um, praying for something and it never coming true or praying for something and it coming true 10 years down the road. I want it now, right? It's my chocolate cake. So much about talking to people is the same way. So much about preaching to people and bringing people to Christ is the same way. There will always be a season of waiting, and that is where growth is built, right? Though I walk through the the valley of the shadow of death, we will have those seasons. When we talk to others about Christ, we beg, right? Sometimes we're so desperate, and especially my parents and people like that, or maybe you have a loved one that's close to, to, to dying or something like that, and we beg and we beg for our loved ones to get saved. But in reality, we plant the seed. We just earn their ear and talk to them about it. And the rest, just like that farmer, is out of our control. So how do I want to put this? We talked about waiting, right? I beat that dead horse. And I know you're thinking like, Tyler, get to the chase. How do, you've kind of touched it, but how do I talk to people about Jesus? Let me ask you guys a question. What are you passionate about in your relationship with God? What about Jesus lights you on fire? Think about the time, and maybe some of you grew up in church, but I'm guessing a lot of you didn't. What was it about that time that you raised your hand and said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to die to self and leave all of this behind to, to, to follow the creator of the universe? Think about that. What was it? That's what you should talk to people about. That's what we should be on fire with. A lot of times we try to talk to people about things and we're kind of outmatched or we don't understand. What's going to come best from you guys is the things that you are passionate about. You want to know how I know that that works? Because I'm a lot better at preaching about the stuff that I'm passionate about than um, 
maybe things that I haven't read up on or I don't care as much about, right? It's the same thing in our life. Like what drives you as a Christian? Who do you believe God to be? And that's what you talk to other people about. Your experience, the way God has worked in your life, where you've fallen short. That's how we talk to people. I can remember, like, I used to go to Broncos games a lot, and now Sunday's like a complete work day for me. Um, and it's hard to describe that to people. But I can remember um, going to a Broncos game. And have you guys ever, like, I park at the Pepsi Center because it's about $200 cheaper. And you have to walk um, about two miles to the stadium. And then there's those people, the Westboro Baptist people, holding signs. And the worst part is that they get you it's a Broncos game, so you, one, you know they're going to lose. So I know I'm going to be upset. <laughs> you all right, Daryl? Um, but they get you walking out when I'm already pissed off and people have already been drinking and all of these things. And then they start holding signs. And I remember being with my brother one time that says, like, you're going to hell or repent and all of these things. And, and that can have a place. But I remember one guy, like, following me and my brother, like, waving this sign in, in, in our face. And I'm a believer, right? And my brothers grew up in church and they have a little bit of church hurt. So I'm, I'm kind of working on them and hoping God works on them. But I remember like this guy's following me like a shout and I'm like, I'm a believer, you moron, leave me alone. <laughs> like if you want to talk to people about Jesus, that's probably not a great tactic, at least for new believers. And, and I know this isn't going to be very popular what I say and please don't take this out of context. You want to know how to not talk to people who are on the brink of giving their life to Christ or not? You probably don't start with eschatology, right? Do you guys know what eschatology is? I know you do. End times. Fire and brimstone, right? Like, you guys that love that stuff, and, and I find it interesting, that is amazing, and there's a time and place for that, but you probably don't talk to new believers about that. It may not always be the worst tactic because they're going to have questions about that, but eschatology, I think, is not the way to go with new believers, and I may be wrong about that because that has the tendency to come off wrong, and if there's one thing I've learned, and I'm by no means an expert at this, people don't need to hear fear and hate and all of these, these things that we can come off wrong, sometimes holding signs at soldiers' funerals or accosting people outside of, of Broncos games because there's enough of that in this world as it is, and we're called to be different. People don't need to hear that stuff from you. What people need to hear and see, more importantly from you, is the one thing everybody in this world is looking for. What is it, my friends? Love, love right? If you want to summarize Jesus to people, talk about love because what greater love is there than coming to die for people who do not deserve it? People who will turn their back on you and people who whipped you and contributed to your death, that is the ultimate form of love and people should see that in us. Love, I, in my opinion, is just how you reach people. But love is not going to always come from your mouth. People have to see that in you, just like on the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't just go up there and talk about it. He lived it, right? He didn't have 3,000 people showing up to that. I'm, I'm just speculating here. It's not biblical. To, don't write me an email. 
Actually, do write me an email. My email is kweatherby at savethecowboy.net. Um, people saw it from him first. He didn't look like everybody else. And I'm going to say this in closing because I, I think we've touched on the subject. I want to read a few verses from me, and you don't have to turn there. I know you guys can't see anyways from Ephesians 3. I think it really summarizes what I'm trying to say here. In verse 18, it says, may you have the power to understand, and this is so powerful, my friends, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, that's important, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. That's what people need to see from you. To love one another is community. That community we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And sometimes people don't need it to come from your mouth. They need it to come from your hands. And they need it to, to come from your spirit. And that to me is just the ultimate way to pour into people. Is to just love people. And sometimes it's hard. Think about that. Even sometimes the way our loved ones, we have a hard time loving them. So how am I supposed to love a stranger? Because Jesus loved me, right? And, and I know that's kind of a nursery rhyme, and, and, and we say that so much it can become a boy who cried wolf thing. But it feels so amazing to be loved when, when you're unworthy and you're, you're just this sinner. And how do I not do that to other people when that's been a gift that's given to me? Think about that when you're talking to people. I, I, the art of communicating God's word is such a tough subject. I study it like crazy. We talk about it, and I feel like I fall short every week. Like, I read through the, uh, the prophetic books in the Old Testament, um, and I listen to prophets like Daniel and Jeremiah, and all of these people talked a certain way. And I read this, and I'm like, I don't sound like them. Like nobody sounds like them. And, th and then you see Jesus come and he sounded like them, but he, in a different way. And I think like as a pastor, I'm always trying to master that art of like, how do I communicate God's word at a very high level? And I think sometimes what happens is the truth gets washed in the mix of us trying to do gimmicks sometimes or trying to be relatable or whatever. But I want to sound like Jesus. I could never be Jesus, but the way he treated people, and I don't know if I could ever get there, is what I strive for. I want to make heaven crowded, right? How do we sound like Jesus? I don't think a single bit of that comes from what comes out of our mouth. I think it's how we treat people. Um, and you'd be amazed how much people are watching you, and we talked about that. How we treat people is very rarely face-to-face -face contact, but people are watching how I talk to Mitch after I just talk to them, or how I talk to Madeline, or any, like any of those people. Like How you treat people is so indicative of who you are, and that's so important because who you are is so indicative of the God you serve. And that's just powerful. To really close up on you guys, we talked about planting the seed. And I'm not always so good at that. And, and, and as I said this morning, sometimes I struggle with that, right? 
But planting a seed is so important because as I've learned today, like the way you guys talked to me this morning and some of the things you guys said almost had me in tears. Like it was so inspirational that, that even though I don't think I'm doing the greatest job, um, you guys receive it another way. And, and it's just so funny how that works. And that can be a great example um, for your relationships that you're struggling with. Maybe you're struggling with your child or your teenager, or your spouse. I know a lot of people, that, that has to be tough for you to come to church and your spouse not to. And I know a lot of you guys are, are, are struggling with, with, with that. I just want to close with this. We talked about planting the seed, and we talked about waiting. But imagine what would happen or how bad I would beat myself up if I judge the growth of what I just did the second that I throw dirt over that seed. If at that very second, I judged myself based off of plant growth, I would probably think I'm doing a bad job. We have to submit to the process and, and learn to love people and learn to trust God in, in, in these relationships and pray on it and just be there for people. And that, my friends, is, is how we talk to people. Do not judge the, the growth in your life based off of the dirt that you just covered that seed with. Because so much about submitting to God and, and, and growing people has to do with that waiting period, right? And what, what, what gives the farmer confidence that that, that plant is going to grow? Because it did last year. And it did the year before that. And there was a couple of times where, where that farmer probably struggled with weather and things that he couldn't control, but the crop always came. And that's how, how God works in our lives. Um, and I just want to challenge you guys to believe that. Submit to the process and, and understand God will come through because you know, because we've all seen it in our lives, how God can work through us and in us. And that's just such a powerful thing. Learn to talk to people and be with people and, and, and be an example of people because uh, the light that comes from you comes from Jesus and that says so much about him. And I think that's so direly important. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I just thank you as always this, for this wonderful opportunity to get up here and, and preach your word. And, and I just pray really for myself, Lord, that, that when it's delivered, it, it always comes out right, and, and that I just represent you and save the cowboy so well, because the people sitting in these seats and the people listening online deserve that kind of word from you, Lord, and, and I pray that it just falls on people's ears correctly, and, and I pray that we all as followers of you learn to be kind and to, to deliver these hard truths, but do it in such a way that is so different and so attractive to people, Lord, because like we said, we, we want to make heaven crowded, Lord, and we want to feed people um, physical and tangible food, but we want to feed people spiritual food too. And, and, and I just pray that spirit in everybody that we, that we go out and we talk to people and we have these conversations and we're not scared to do so, Lord, because you've been so good to us. And we know no matter what, talking to people is a win-win um, and you've made it that way. Lord, we know our crowns are in heaven and, and we know 
that, that doing your work is going to get us there, Lord. And, and, and we just pray, Lord, if you don't come back soon, which I hope you do, that we just store these treasures up in, in eternity. And, and, and thank you for these people and, and, and just bless their week. It's in your name we pray.